Isaac Perry. What up? Yeah, um, I'm irritated, man. I got <laughs> I got some stuff I got some stuff on my mind. But um, <laughs> before we start episode two, uh, I was about to say, does that have anything to do with episode two, or is this just general? Like you just a mad a, a mad brother, a mad black oh, man in Arizona. Yeah, it has everything to do with episode two. Okay. Um, but I just do we have any house cleaning to do? Um, I don't. You know, I mean, there's a couple things before we get into the 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 main part of the show today. There's some couple of questions I have for you about some things that happened this week. But you know, before I mean, we we can get into your stuff. You know, if it's like really heavy on your no. mind and you just need to like unload, we can no, get into that we, first. We need to just. You know, we need to just <laughs> trigger the theme music and just get going. All right, let me ask you. Start, so. Let me ask you something before, because I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that you are upset about a couple things involving uh, the MCU, Spider Man, and Sony. I'm irritated. Okay, I'm irritated. Right. I'm interested in hearing all that too, because I, I sense that you haven't had a chance to vent this yet. So, or maybe you vented it to people in your life, and they weren't interested in hearing it. I don't know. But um, let me let me ask you something before we get to that. Did you see? Uh, there's a lot of trailers. I've been watching a lot of trailers this week. But did you see the Raising Dion trailer? Michael B. Jordan's new thing. Did you see that? Yeah, the uh, Netflix show that's going to come in. Netflix. That's why I told you to watch it. And you didn't watch it. I then did I just see told that. you to watch it again before we started the show. So you did so see why it. So you put me on? I already know. I'm frustrated. <laughs> you probably saw it, what, like 10 minutes ago? <laughs> so 12. Okay, 12. That's good. It's fresher in your mind than it is in mine. But okay, so let me ask you something. Um, because I, I, as I was watching this trailer, I was thinking that it's important for us, you know, during this this kind of renaissance age of, you know, comic book movies and superhero films and this type of, you know, uh, supernatural, super uh, narrative storytelling. It's important that for people of color that we take our place, you know, we take we, we claim our place on that stage. Mm-hmm. And that it's not just a repeat of, you know, the early part of the comic book era when it was just mainly white men um, who were, right. you know, these superheroes. And then occasionally you would get a woman. Then occasionally, eventually, especially with the advent of Marvel, you got more people of color characters. But so I'm watching this trailer and I was thinking, you know, how how important it is, how important that is. And so and for those who don't know, you guys should definitely go check out this trailer. Um, the show is called Raising Dion. I think it's. It's a Netflix show. It's a it's a Netflix show. It I is think. okay. So yeah, it's, it's a Netflix show. show. It's gonna it's gonna debut in October. I don't know the exact date. Okay, so it's coming up really soon. So as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, um, and it's Michael B. Jordan as producer, and he stars. He's in it, but um, from what I can see, he's in it for like you know a minute. I think he's. There's no spoiler alert. They they tell you in the trailer he gets killed. Right. He's the father of this child, and he gets killed, and it's his son, this little boy, Dion, who has these well, special. Well, just based on the trailer, you don't know if he's killed. You just know that he's not there anymore. He's mi- either missing or dead. Okay. All right. But I thought. In the trailer, the boy says, you know, my mom won't tell me what happened to him. Oh, okay. She won't talk about it. Okay. Okay. So he's he's gone, but we don't know if he's been killed or he's just missing. So, Right. Which is actually smart because then that leaves the door open for, for Michael B. Jordan to show up maybe later on, you know, in another mm-hmm. episode or whatever um, when his schedule permits. But. So, okay, so his son is Dion, is the, you know, the one with the special abilities. And then the mother, um, what's her name? She's an actress I've seen in something else before, uh, Alicia Wainwright. Um, She's raising the little boy. And then um, Jason Ritter plays Michael B. Jordan's best friend who, you know, helps out, I guess, when Michael B. Jordan disappears or is killed or whatever. 
So as I was watching this, you know, I'm like, okay, it was interesting to me because this is a show that is primarily African-American with the exception of Jason Ritter, who I'm guessing they wanted to make sure that there was um, um, someone in the someone in the show who wasn't African-American, because what happens when a show has all African-American characters? It gets called a black show, black show, or right. if it has, which was uh, what's my man's uh, uh, what's uh, the show on Netflix? Um, uh, Master of None. Master of None. I've just completely Aziz. blanked out on that. So. Master of None, Aziz Ansari, did a great episode. Remember the Indian episode where he was like, why is yeah. it that when it's all Indians and it's like it's an Indian show, but when it's all white dudes, nobody's saying it's a white show. So he, you know, and that's that's kind of a debate or a conversation that we've had, you know, amongst in our, our community for, you know, decades mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. films and, tel- and television. So when I saw this Raising Dion trailer, I'm like, OK, so Jason Ritter, the white dude is in there to make sure that this is not a quote unquote black show. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I can't read the minds of the producers. I'm just, you know, sure. I'm, this is just conjecture. But it also made me think of Luke Cage and the Marvel Netflix Luke Cage show. That was never labeled a quote unquote black show. You know what I'm saying? And everything. But Luke was, but Luke was always referred to as a black superhero. He was a black superhero, but. I mean, that distinction was always for, at the forefront. Right. But it didn't get. Do you remember like in the 90s when Martin, it was Martin on one station and Seinfeld was on the other mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. And Martin was always referred to as a black sitcom. You know, it was a black television yeah. show. Um, Luke Cage didn't get that same treatment. You know what I'm saying? So I'm feeling like, okay, the question that had me thinking was that, is that is that progress? You know, is that, have we progressed? You know, and if we have progressed, to the point where an all black cast is not just labeled a black show, which, and then the other flip, the flip side of that is that is, is that a bad thing for something to be labeled a quote unquote black show? Um, and then I see this raising Dion thing and I'm thinking, okay, is this, you know, why is Jason Ritter in this show? You know, not to say that it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Michael B. Jordan's character, his best friend would be a white dude. That's not completely Mm -hmm. out of the realm of possibility, Mm -hmm. but it does seem like it's the traditional thing of making sure that there is a racial balance in the show. So it's not a black show, you know what I'm saying? So I, that's, well, I think, I think you do need, I do think, I think you do need some racial balance uh, in shows like this, especially if you're not going to say this is a quote unquote black show. Uh Um, The term black show can be a repellent and can also be an attractor. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, a repellent to I who? Think, I mean, I think that should be clear. We're not talking about it's not a repellent to people of color. It's a repellent well, to well, well, okay, all right. So I'm going to say I'm going to name a television show, uh-huh. Blackish. Right. Do you like that show? <laughs> I don't watch it, but I know many people who do like it. Yes. Are you repelled by it? No, I'm not repelled by the title or the fact that all the characters are black. No. Okay, but well, all right. but I, I but I'm I saying black is. I am gets, doing kind of an inside dig because right. I mean I I know that that's not that's not my uh, thing. Right. I mean I I watch it. Mm-hmm. I watch it fairly fairly regularly, and I think that there are, particularly after season one, there have been times when the 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 storylines and the plot structures are done really really well and bring certain issues that um, specifically affect the black community. Mm-hmm. That they they do those issues very well. The times that they don't is when 
the attempt is made to wear, it's going to sound really strange, but like wear their blackness on their sleeve. Right. Where it's like a show that's clearly designed to let let non-people of color in general, but let non-black people specifically know how we feel. Right. In an attempt right. To, so you, you can understand which, how we which feel. Which is something that Mar- a show like Martin never did. Yeah. Right. But I felt that it kind of clouds the narrative mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when, when you know, when Blackish does this. Um and Martin notwithstanding, um, a lot of uh, sitcoms, the 90s, the 80s, I mean, the Cosby show it, it did this very well. Mm-hmm. But the idea that black families are regular people, mm-hmm. that we have similar interests, you know, they're, 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 um, they're specific within our culture. Right. Um, but it's not all good times. It's right. not, it's not the, the, the diametrically uh, opposed situations of good times and the Jeffersons. Right. So, so, but let me ask you then thinking in that, that same train of thought, then how is it important to you that something like raising Dion or Luke Cage or any of these burgeoning, you know, superhero, uh, television shows or films like Falcon, Falcon, a winter soldier coming up, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Is it important to you that they bring in or intertwine um, the experience or the struggle or the reality of people of color, um, specifically African-Americans? Or is that is that something that you need and that you want to see in this show? Is, does it need to have that in order for it to feel fully fleshed out to you? Um, I won't go so far to say that it, that that I think it needs it, mm-hmm. but I do champion the fact that these are matter of fact shows. Mm-hmm. You know, raising Dion as unreal as the as the plot structure is, but you know, it just so happens that the little boy with with um, you know X Men abilities right. happens to be black. But see that, um, see that's a problem. See that's and you know we kind of touched on this on other topics. That's the thing that kind of throws me off a little bit when it's like, oh, this show could be about anyone. He just happens to be black, and as you and I know, and as probably most of our listeners know. You know, who you are and where you come from affects your story, period. I don't care, you know, you're black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever, wherever you come from, that affects your narrative and how you navigate your way through a, you know, through a situation. Um, right. Narrative. I mean, if 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 we're controlling the story, mm-hmm. if we're telling the story, then that's going to permeate through all of the characters and all of the plot structures. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by matter of fact. Right. I don't have to do a narrative, um, you know, about um, um, how the effects of of slavery still happens today by by um, you know setting up a very specific plot structure mm-hmm. so that I'm pushing forth that, you know, our people are detrimentally affected even to this day after the servitude slavery in the United States. Mm-hmm. Cause, and that's what I mean by like that repels some people. Right. But you see, know? and I think that's what going back to the Martin example, I think that's what Martin did so well in the sense that it was definitively a show about African-American people, but the situations that they found themselves in. Yeah. They were, you know, everyday situations that happen when, you know, you, uh, you know, between a dude and his girlfriend or a girlfriend and her dude, basically it was Martin and Gina's show and their friends kind of on the periphery, but the situations that they found themselves in the comedy and the satire and everything else was based off of everyday situations. 
but how they navigated those situations, how they talked about those situations, how they looked at those situations came from a from African-American culture. You know what I'm saying? And it was like right. there wasn't there was no it was unapologetic. It was it was, you know, raw, but it wasn't in the sense of like you're saying about blackish where they're trying to educate, you know, somebody else on African-American culture. You know what I'm saying? It yeah, was just, forcing the point, right, they forcing the issue. Right, exactly. It was very, it wasn't didactic. It wasn't any of those things. It was just very organic. So for yeah. me, in Luke Cage, when I thought, going back to Luke Cage season one, I remember one of my earliest thoughts in the first maybe one or two episodes was that they're trying too hard. In other words, they were trying too hard to show black culture. You know what I'm saying? They're in Harlem. They're on, I think they're on uh, Lennox Avenue or Malcolm X or whatever. And they mm-hmm. were um, at the barbershop and, you know, Luke Cage is reading the Walter Mosley novel and he's talking about, you know, uh, James Baldwin. Or what, you know what I'm saying? And it was right, like right. all these like kind of um, not stereotypical, but um, these tropes basically of, of mm-hmm. you know, black American culture. And it was like, like these elements of intellectual. Black <laughs> right. And it was like uh-huh. it was like. All rolled up into this exactly. So it was like, let me <laughs> right, let me write this into this scene so we can you uh-huh. know highlight this. Even the club that they went to, you know, the you know whatever the name of that club was, that was basically mm-hmm. a you know Harlem Renaissance era type club thrown in mm-hmm. modern day you know um, Harlem. It was all it all felt a little forced to me. So any you know how my mind, I guess watching this raising Dion trailer brought my mind to this just because of. Anytime I see a, you know, a superhero film or television show that, you know, looks like it's going to kind of evoke some element of black culture. Right. But OK, but playing the devil's advocate, you know, you you have that reaction because because you're black. You go to black barbershops. You, you, you go to black barbershops that that cut your hair as a black man quite well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it just so happens <laughs> that other black men are there that agree with you, uh-huh. right? Right, right. <laughs> nice shout out. Nice under, nice kind of like underground shout out to uh, Time Out of Shannon's. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Chicago, if you ever in mean, town, go check it out. But um, a, his, uh, a Hispanic viewer, an Asian viewer, uh, a white viewer, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like, oh man, who's Walter Mosley? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's some interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it gives some insight to this world that they would no otherwise doubt. enter no into. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Not because they're yeah. scared or offended or they just yeah they just they want to wear like that. It, yeah, they want to wear. That's it. not where them go. Right. That's not where they're going. I guess right? though, as a, as a just and that's kind of what I mean in a way. That's not the best example of uh-huh. it, but in a way, that's what I mean by it's just kind of matter of fact. Right. Now, let me just say this one thing. Jumping back to kind of the Martin Seinfeld dichotomy. Mm-hmm. In Seinfeld, you had Kramer. Mm-hmm. Kramer had no job that anybody could identify mm-hmm. and pretty much, you know, loped his way through the day. Right. Right. Tommy on Martin, the running joke was, Tommy, you ain't got no job. Mm-hmm. What's your job, Tommy? Right. Now we kind of understand that, but could it be that other people sort of in, uh, um, you know, internalized the, the narrative of black people being lazy, black men in particular, mm. not really having a job, mm. just kind of living from place day to day, place to place, mm-hmm. no real concern or drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tommy and Kramer are may not one to, may not be one to one comparisons. Right, but, but they had that, that element that was in common. In that ensemble cast, yeah. Tommy is the Kramer. Right. Right. Yeah. I, you know what? I think that Brother Man notwithstanding. Brother Man notwithstanding <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I was just about to bring up Brother Man. Right. <laughs> this is you yeah, this is the, the mad unreal breakdown of uh, of Martin. Um, you know, we. I think though, what we should do though is, um, I'm gonna definitely check out Raising Dion when it comes out. I mean, there's yeah. listen, there's there's other you know Black Lightning, um, 
uh, Cloak and Dagger. You know, there's there's <laughs> Black Lightning. Did you watch? That have is... you seen? Have you seen any of the episodes of Black? Yeah, okay. I, I have seen it. Okay, I have I've, seen I've it. watched and maybe to my, two. To, to my amazement, I can't understand why nobody recognizes this man as their high school principal, <laughs> as their high school principal or their parent. Listen, I don't understand. If, if Clark Kent can get away with it, man, you know that opened up the door, so we can't we can't get mad at the brother for that, right? But, you know, I think that we should definitely in the future do an episode. Maybe after Raising Dion comes out, we do an episode and kind of look at these, what we just, uh, you know, kind of explore. We look at it a little deeper. But Mm -hmm. let's get to uh, because you 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 have some things on your mind. So let's. um, Yeah, let's maybe do a little theme music and get into the the heart of this episode. Cool. Yeah. You know, we talked about we talked about um, you and I talked the other day about. First of all, let me give a shout out. We have some of the greatest. This theme music is is. I think you listeners agree with me. You heard it on episode one, um, but, you know, I want you to, to listen to it again. Or maybe this is the first episode you're joining us for. Um, this is our theme music. Um, I think it perfectly captures the the kind of the tone of this show. Um, and you and I talked about, you know, intro on this. So I don't know. Maybe you're going to do it sometimes. I'll do it sometimes. I, I can do it today if you want. And then you can do it next time. Oh yeah, you feel comfortable with that? <laughs> you feel comfortable with that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't do it justice for episode one. So, so uh, I'm gonna let you, you do lead so that okay. I can. All right, I can so give it the proper respect. All right, so um, yo, we're about to jump off. So yo, it's Mad Unreal episode two. Let's go. For a little while, because we wanted to talk about Joker, mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about the Mandalorian <laughs> trailer, and we wanted to talk about the Rise of Skywalker um, special look. Mm-hmm. But um, we need to talk about Spider Man. <laughs> we need to talk about the, talk the about, look on your face right there. You was just so <laughs> you're so serious, man. It's like <laughs> we need to talk about Spider Man. Okay, all right, all right. This happened about so, a month ago. This happened about a month ago when all this, the, everything jumped off and everybody lost their damn mind. Right. Okay. And um, uh, Sony Pictures and um, Disney, uh, which is the parent company of Marvel, Marvel Studios, mm-hmm. um, had a disagreement over how they would move forward with the Spider-Man character. Right. And so to put it in context, Spider-Man is owned in film as a property by Sony Pictures. Yeah, it's their, it's their character. They bought them back in, shit, what was that? Probably the late 90s, I think. Late 90s. Yeah. And they were responsible for the five Spider-Man films mm-hmm. that preceded the MCU. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 with Tobey Maguire. The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 with uh, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. So now we have Tom Holland as Peter Parker. And his debut came in... The cli- at the climax of Captain America's Civil War, mm-hmm. he had two independent movies, right. Spider-Man Homecoming and last summer's Far uh, from Spider-Man home. Far From Home. Um, he was presented as the mentor of Tony Stark. No, the mentee, yeah. Oh, that's right. Mentor is... <laughs> right. <laughs> That would mean he taught Tony. The Jedi Master. Right. He was, and he was the Padawan. Is the Padawan. Yeah, he was the Padawan. Okay. Grasshopper. All right. So you see I'm irritated. <laughs> yeah, I, can't really... I didn't know this was bothering you so much, but go ahead. It's really bothering me. Okay. It's really bothering right. me. Sony believes that they can carry on without the input of Marvel and uh, specifically Kevin Feige. 
do they think they can carry on or do they think that they will carry on if Marvel doesn't budge? Because you say, OK, I'm not going to get into all the numbers because, you know, people can go online and, and, and Google and find all of the specific numbers. But Marvel's first or I should say Disney's Marvel's parent company, Disney's first um, offer was a 50 50 split. Like, yo, moving forward, you know, we're going to keep doing these Spider-Man movies together. Sony gets 50 percent. We get 50 percent. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. If you own a character, Arthur, if it's your character, mm-hmm. you own them, and I'm coming mm-hmm. in to help you out, I should get a good, good a good cut, right? But 50 I would agree with that. I would agree with that because the character, the backstory, the mythology, all of that is owned, crafted, and has been created by Marvel. Right, but Sony in 2019, Sony, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily arguing their case, you know, completely, but I'm saying yeah. I can understand because basically, listen, it's negotiation. So what happened was Marvel came in high and was like, we want mm-hmm. 50, and in any negotiation, of course, Sony would come in low. I don't know what their number was. They probably maybe they came. I think because I think right now it was like five percent or something like that. So maybe they came with, you know, 10 percent. You know, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, as you were saying, what's behind the scenes, the shit broke down and it was just like, we're not going to be able to do this together mm-hmm. as of now. And, you know, it could very well be that Sony feels that it has enough momentum. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Venom may be a key. Right. With that, because Venom did, I think, 830, 850 million. It was very successful. Very successful. Surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Crap move. And so <laughs> if they have Tom Holland, which I believe they do contracted to do at least one, if not the next two Spider-Man pictures, mm-hmm. then I would think that Sony feels in a very good, that they're in a very good position to be able to carry this franchise forward. Spider-Man independently, this franchise forward. Right. Um, uh, so I have, I have two problems with that. Okay. The first problem has to do with um, Spider-Man as portrayed by Tom Holland mm. in um, what? Four movies? Mm-hmm. Really, really three. But uh, yeah, no, four movies, four movies. Uh, the last two Avengers movies mm-hmm. um, and the last two Spider-Man movies where, where the relationship between Peter Parker and Tony Stark was developed. right? And f- for Tony Stark to have died at the end of Endgame, right? It it it's 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 good fodder to be able to explore Peter's overwhelming loss, presumably within a short period of time of maybe two to three years. Okay, he's lost his uncle Ben. Right. Yeah, he lost Uncle Ben. I think maybe three or four months before the Civil War debut. So yeah, relatively yeah, very and that was what. Three years before Endgame, I think. So yeah, very yeah. very short amount of time. Right, right. And 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 Tony Stark immediately came in as to filling that slot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unintentionally, but he filled that slot. Right. Um, and Tony himself was. This was the first time that he actually had um, influence over a young person whom he had feelings for. Okay. And this took care of his daddy issues. So everybody got daddy issues. Okay. But, in the MCU, everybody got daddy issues. Right. All of them. But okay. let me ask you, before, let me interrupt for just a second. Before you get to, because let me ask you, is your second issue with Sony at all, or is it still within, because your first issue is with Peter Parker or Tony, uh, uh, 
Holland. Is your second yeah. issue having to do with Sony um, or Marvel, or is it still within the story? It, it has to do with Sony and Marvel. Okay, because I got a point. I, I think that we need to... Cause I, my second issue has to do with Miles Morales, so let me okay, just put that Okay, well, so let, let's, let me back up then for just... I don't know who the hell owns him, to be honest with you. Okay, so ahead. before you get to that, let, and before we get, get deep into the story issues, let's back up for a second, because you said earlier that you were like, okay, Sony feels like they can carry this on without you know, Kevin Feige and the MC in mm-hmm. Marvel studios. So <clears throat> let's hypothetically go back to, let's say 44 years ago, whenever it was that Sony sat down with Marvel studios and they made this deal, they hammered out this deal for them to share, you know, the, you know, the producing this next, uh, the next Spider-Man movie. This is after the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man didn't perform. The second movie didn't perform as well. Critics didn't like it. Fans had issues with it. They decided not to make a third one. So Sony was clearly in trouble, you know what I'm saying, in terms of Spider-Man. Um, the mm-hmm. third Tobey Maguire movie uh, was wildly, you know, slammed by critics and fans, even though I'm sure it, did, it made a lot of money. Um, you and I were, you know, we were sitting right next to each other. That was like one of the last midnight movies me and the crew, me, you and the crew went to. Remember, we used to all like yeah, just, 10 of us used to go to like, you know, to the midnight <laughs> m- movies when the film would drop. Yeah. We would be there the first mm-hmm. night at midnight. That was, mm-hmm. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back was Spider-Man 3. Um, or maybe it was Superman Returns. I can't remember. But point being that when Sony sat down with Marvel, it was like Sony was Sony was in um, the lesser position. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they needed help. They needed, they needed help. help. So they come into Marvel and they got really nothing on their side. Marvel has at that point, you know, eight years or whatever, or seven years of a track record of this universe of films and it was clear at that point that these motherfuckers was like the juggernaut. You know what I'm saying? And they mm-hmm. knew Kevin Feige and his crew, you know, everybody at Marvel Studios, they knew what they were doing at a, a much, much higher level when it comes to these superhero properties, right? So they're sitting down, and if you're Sony, you got really nothing. You know what I'm saying? You have the Spider-Man character. That, you own that IP. You own that intellectual property, right? Yeah. But then you're sitting now in Marvel, and like you just said, you you're you're coming up short, you know what I'm saying? You're you're looking for help. So, after they hammered out this, you know, that agreement, I can only imagine that when they went back to the Sony Studios and had their meeting amongst themselves, whoever's in charge, I think I forgot the name, the guy's name's Kevin, um I forgot the the head of Sony Studios, um what his name is. But anyway, he probably looked at his people and was like, "Look, when this contract is up and we go sit down with Marvel again, we cannot let that shit happen ever again. It can't look mm-hmm. like that." You know what I'm saying? We can't sit down with them and they sitting on, you know, they got the high ground. You know, they got the Obi-Wan Kenobi high ground and we Anakin down here, you know what I'm saying, about right. to get thrown into the fire pit. We can't let that happen right. again. So their idea, which I think was a sound one, was Venom. Was, mm-hmm. you know, they put, um, I think, Black Cat and uh, somebody else in development. You know, they they were thinking about, okay, what with it? Cause they own all these other characters, these ancillary characters mm-hmm. in the Spider-Man universe. They own those characters too. So let's start making movies that are in the Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man. Cause he's over in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And then if we can build up this universe that way, when we sit back down with Marvel, if we can't come to an agreement, we know we can bring our character, our Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Tom Holland back into our fold and we can roll him up in something interesting on this side, you know, now, to me, that's, I mean, and the fans, listen, when all this shit jumped off last month, the fans were like in a frenzy, like, how are you going to do this? 
Sony, how are they doing this? They know they need to keep him in the MCU. They can't do it without Kevin Feige. I don't think this is why I'm coming back to your original point about, you know, they think they can do, you know, they can continue on without Kevin Feige. I don't think that Sony is under any illusion that they can duplicate what Kevin Feige has done. You know, Kevin and I say Kevin Feige, I mean Kevin Feige and his people because he's not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like he's he's solo and he's doing all this stuff by himself. I mean, I'm Kevin Feige, everybody he works with, all the other producers, directors, writers, so on and so forth. To me, Kevin Feige is the Michael Jordan of this shit right now. He's he is on a Bulls like dynasty run. You know what I'm saying? Lakers, dynasty, Yankees, you know, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Patriots. Mm-hmm. He's he's Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. He's doing whatever right now, whatever sports analogy you want to give it. He is on that, you know, epic, iconic, never before seen like dynasty run. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't think that Sony is looking at this saying, oh, we can duplicate that. I think they're looking at it saying we can do something. We can make profit. We can make money off of this character better than we have in the past with the Andrew Garfield stuff. We have, we're in a better position now. So if they, if they force our hand, we can do something that is at least, if it's not up to the height or the, the level of what, what the MCU is doing, it's at least something that'll keep fans happy and keep them interested and keep them coming back. Would you, I mean, would you say that's fair? I mean, would you, we're not, neither one of us are in these conversations, but I'm saying, would you think that's probably what's, what's going on? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think I do think that's fair, but I think that the I think that the story suffers. Mm. I mean, some of what we talked about in episode one having to do with, um, you know, the the critic crowd and the audience crowd and 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 um, um, I can't remember which one of us said it, but 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 the idea that we always knew comic book heads, you know, we always knew that these that these characters were rich and these storylines you know had 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 uh, had some serious development there was some serious you know realness going on and every film didn't necessarily have to be glossy mm-hmm. so much that even if it was you know these these characters could come through mm-hmm. um when so i think that moving forward the spider-man the the existing story arc mm-hmm. is going to come to a hard stop because Sony can't get into any of the MCU storylines from a continuity right. standpoint. So for you, it's so not they're so going to much... fall back on on you know they're going to fall back on you know um, the villains right. of the old comic books or the ancillary characters right. that, that that we kind of talked about. Not on like for example, and I won't get get, get too far into you know storyline ideas or anything like that, but. Um, you know, Spider-Man was Iron Man's heir apparent as far as leading the Avengers in the MCU. In the MCU, yeah, and somewhat, and he was he was in the comics. He was invited into the Avengers many a times, and he was a was he part of uh, he's he's been a part of the Avengers before. You know, so I I get what you're saying there, but yeah, specifically in the MCU, he was the he was definitely the mentee. He was definitely the the, the Padawan. He was being groomed. He was being groomed. And he refused. And, he, remember, at the end of uh, Homecoming, he was he, he he did have an initial chance to be an Avenger, right? But yeah. he declined. Yeah, because he felt that he wasn't ready. Right. And then you know, toward the end of Far From Home, um, not not toward the end of it, but all through Heart, for, um, all through Far From Home, mm-hmm. he's ghosting Nick Fury. Like he doesn't want that. Right. Even though it's signed, even he though he doesn't want it, that position, and Nick tells him, Tony said you were the guy. Mm-hmm. 
Tony didn't say nothing about Captain Marvel. Right. Even though in Infinity War, he was made, he was made in an Avenger, you know, in the heat of battle, you know. Yeah. He was made in Avenger. <laughs> um, but no, I, I get you. He's because, yeah, uh, Nick Fury, aka the Scrawl, um, as we found out unnecessarily, they they made him a Scrawl, which I thought was not a good not a good narrative note. But yeah, he yeah he he sought, he told Spider Man you're you know you're ready for this, um, and then Spider Man of course um, used his newfound abilities to target dude on the school bus. But yeah, I, I get mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah, but but so you sound you sound like you're more not so much on the. Oh my God, he's lost Kevin Feige, but oh my God, he's not going to be a part of the MCU. Meaning he. Oh my God, this is going to be Tony Tony McGuire era Spider Man four. Oh my God, mm-hmm. this is going to be the Amazing Spider Man three with um you know Andrew Garfield. What was my man, the Cheetah? Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing, though. What's funny to me is that some people are looking forward to this because okay, here's 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 one of the the um criticisms. Because there's not many criticisms leveled at, you know, um, MCU Spider-Man. But here's one of the criticisms that was leveled at MCU Spider-Man is that it was too much Avengers. It was too much Tony Stark. It wasn't your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, even though he said Mm -hmm. that many a times throughout um, his two films and in the, the Avengers films. You never really got, you know, New York Spider-Man, traditional Spider-Man until um, the end of far from home when he's swinging through yeah. the skyscrapers for the first time and he lands and then you know you see J. Jonah Jameson pop up um, mm-hmm. so a lot of people are like okay this Sony thing yeah there's a kind of a uh, almost like um, PTSD you know what I'm saying it's like Picasso just tripping out because it's like they really want him to be a part of the MCU but one of the silver linings of this is that hey if we get him out of the MCU maybe we get our, you know, we go back to the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire or Spider-Man yeah. 2 and we get the New York friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that we've kind of gotten that we've always gotten in the comics. But that's when we get back into having it both ways mm-hmm. that I know is something that you disagreed with when it came to characters like Daredevil and and, and um, 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 Homegirl. Jessica um, Jones. Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, well, wait a minute, you know. There in Hell's Kitchen, the event has already happened. Right, like the there's no reference. There's like some ancillary reference to it, mm-hmm. but they're not. How how are you not even going to be a part of this? Right. If you have these abilities, mm-hmm. you know, Daredevil. Then how come you're not right. trying to? You Why know, you show deal up with Thanos yourself, <laughs> or even trying to find out what that's all about? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have. It's like we have these silo stories in the same city, and these people don't know. What's up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, We're I mean, kind of like back to that. It's like after we've already taken two steps forward. Right. It's it's a definite to unify these stories. Yeah, it's a definite. It's going to be a very if if this because let's say I'm using the word if because this you know it, tomorrow they could announce you know Sony and Marvel worked out their differences and they ha- they've hammered out a deal. You know what I'm saying? That could happen mm-hmm. tomorrow. But mm-hmm. if this if that doesn't happen, and if this happens, then yeah, for Sony. This presents a very interesting challenge for them creatively because, you know, Spider-Man, as I just said, the Tom Holland Spider-Man has been heavily steeped in MCU. So right. how do you do that? Well, I think it had to be, though. I think it had to be in order to. Yeah, I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at it. At all. Set up. Yeah, I think it worked where we are now. It worked very well. It worked very well. And it, it actually, I mean, it's, dude, the Civil War intro. I think was perfect, especially considering mm-hmm. that there was so many. Let's not forget 
Black Panther was introed in Civil War. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There yeah. was so much going on in that movie. And for them, for that to be the intro of Spider-Man as MCU and for it to have worked um, as a credit to the writers and directors, but, and the producers. But my thing is that from a writing standpoint for them to, what are they going to do if this, you know, if, if Tom Holland gets the next part of Spider-Man movie, Tom Holland Spider-Man movie is Sony only. I actually think that last scene helps them out tremendously. Because what happened mm-hmm. was he comes back to New York. He's swinging through, you know, the skyscrapers. So we're getting, you know, we get our first glimpse of that really with this Tom Holland Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Then who pops up on that screen? Not only is it J. Jonah Jameson, it's homeboy. I forgot his name who played him in the original Spider-Man film, the Sam Raimi yeah, Spider-Man film. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Uh-huh. Simmons, my man. He's, he'll always be a, a Emil from a Law & Order for me. But yeah, J.K. Simmons. So... He shows up and it's like I, when I saw him, I, it immediately brought me back to Tobey Maguire era uh, right. Spider-Man. And right. he's like, you know, he, you know, he outed him, you know, he uh, right on, you know, he's Peter Parker, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like moving forward, if Sony wants to, they can stay on that trajectory and, and examine that story and never really mention any of the other stuff. They still that haven't. They've got Uncle Ben to explore. We don't need it. Yeah. It's not like we need a flashback origin story. We don't need that. But they haven't explored in the MCU. They have not explored Peter's feelings. He's mentioned him briefly, you know, kind of he, he's alluded to Uncle Ben. We saw Uncle Ben's um, initials on Peter's luggage um, in Far From Home. Um, mm-hmm. So he's been alluded to, but they've never cast anybody for a flashback. You've never heard Peter really talking about him. Tom Holland's Peter talking about him. He's never had a conversation with Aunt May about him. Um, mm-hmm. an in-depth conversation. So that's fertile ground for Sony to explore and it's fertile Spider-Man ground. It's not Avengers. So, it's not any of that other stuff. So um, to me, it's like they have, they have outs, you know what I'm saying? If they, they don't have to refer to MCU storyline. They have directions they can go. That's completely separate from that. Okay. So you think we're going to be okay? I, I think, listen, let me, let me be clear. Let me be clear. I when I first heard this, I was a little upset because I'm I'm not a huge Spider-Man head. You know what I'm saying? I'm not Spider-Man. Was, I I bought Spider-Man comics occasionally as you know when I was younger, but I didn't he was not it wasn't like Daredevil. You know, Daredevil at Netflix getting canceled hurt me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that hurt. Right. That hurt. This this announcement really didn't hurt me. That hurt. So I think we're gonna be okay in this, but I, I still, if I had my choice, I would rather see Spider-Man in the MCU because I want to see I'm not I'm not happy, really, unless all my Marvel characters are in one universe. So Spider-Man not being in MCU when before Disney bought uh, Fox, um, the X-Men not being in MCU, you know, as good as Civil War was as a movie, it was missing the mutants. You know what I'm saying? It's like the until the mutants are in the universe, I'm not going to feel really like it's it's a Marvel universe. So right. I, I'm you know, the fact that we're not going to get Tom Holland, Spider-Man, you know, um, in a movie with um, Mark Ruffalo's Hawk. You know, just them, you know, fighting together or fighting each other, you know, like we've seen it in the comics. That does kind of that throws me off a little bit. Um, but again, the flip side is that I, I I I kind of admire Sony, what they've done, you know, what they're doing to try to bring him back and making sure that they have um, a universe for him to live in. Um, I do look forward to more Spidey oriented movies, although I love the dynamic between Tom Holland and um um and Iron Man and Tony Stark um Robert Downey Jr. I love that I love what they did 
um, that whole narrative arc that they took them on, especially when it gets to the point where you see um, Peter die in uh, Infinity War and then you mm-hmm. see um, Tony Stark die in event in Endgame. You know, that was earned. Those emotions were earned. Everything that happened, those things were earned over the previous film. So I've enjoyed all of that. But I do look forward to some Spidey centric, um, you know, movies. It, it, you remember the trailer, the Spider-Man trailer for Far From Home? Remember when he was fighting the cops in the trailer? Um, yeah. And he was like, you know, I can't do your job. That was like my favorite part of the trailer because it was a it was a Spider-Man, you know, New York, you know, neighborhood, Queens, whatever type of thing. And they cut it out the film. You know, they cut it out of Far From Home. I think it's on the DVD or the Blu-ray, but they cut it out. So I look forward to that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, here's the question I want to ask you. And I think this maybe get to your second point that you are upset about. The reason one of the reasons that I'm I'm kind of glad that Sony is doing what they're doing is because I wonder, had Spider-Man never went to the MCU, had Tom Holland never went into the MCU, would we have gotten Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? Miles Morales. Would we have gotten that if Tom Holland was had never left Sony? You know what I'm saying? If Tom Holland, if they after the Andrew Garfield movies, they got Tom Holland and then they started making, you know, those Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. as Sony. Would we have would Sony have done um, the Spider-Verse film? Mm, that's a good question. I don't think so. I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. a good question. I'm saying I don't think I don't think they would have done that film. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I, and that's and, I mean, I got to be honest. I don't really notice know to say you know because it was because it was an animated film right not not that those aren't as expensive not that they're cheap films mm-hmm. but they're certainly cheaper to produce than something like far from home mm-hmm. and um an animated film can take the hit it's like an animated film can can take the flop as as the test balloon mm-hmm. um but my, yeah, but, I don't, I, but yeah, I can't really. But was really know. but was the impetus to do Spider Verse the same impetus that was behind you know Venom? In other words, Sony is like, yo, we don't have you know we don't we don't control. We're, we're sharing Tom Holland Spider Man live action Spider Man with Marvel Studios. In the meantime, let's explore this uh, these other characters that we own. You know, let's see, let's build something around Venom. Let's build something around Black Cat. Let's build something around Miles Morales. See, that's the... You may have just answered your own question there. That's the... I mean, but that's the advantage, I think, that a lot of, you know, a lot of MCU heads are so upset about, you know, him not being in the MCU anymore. To me, that's the advantage of having different studios owning different things, you know? Yeah. And... Because... Go ahead. If I could say one thing, I mean, I think think Miles Morales, from from a studio perspective mm-hmm. was risky mm-hmm. how would the audience react um is that go, take a sale was that your eat? number two though was you, were you yeah that was okay. well my number two was like what happens to miles right what happens to miles morales right mm-hmm. now that now that sony has clearly has spider-man tom holland mm-hmm. do they need miles morales does does miles morales get a animated sequel mm-hmm. does he get a live do you think uh, that they have plans sequel? for a live action miles morales you think because I, I, I certainly think that they were talking about it yeah i had i heard rumors about it now i know that they, there is definitely a sequel to spider-verse an animated sequel they're working on that now that will be coming out probably mm-hmm. it's probably gonna take a few years but i wondered was there was there any plans to do a live action and that's that is an excellent question. If there were plans for them to do a live action Miles Morales, does Tom Holland coming back does that impact that? You know, does that kill? I that? think it. I, I think it kills it. Mm-hmm. I think it kills it. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I mean, again, I think that the fact that they did Spider-Verse animate as an animated film mm-hmm. was indicative of the fact that Miles Morales is a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. Meaning, so are you saying, take, you're saying they weren't ready to do a live action black Spider-Man? Is that what you're saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Not out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Not out of the gate. I should say Afro-Latino Spider-Man. I mean, there wasn't any problem with doing a live action Venom. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm kind of split on that, though. And the reason I'm split is because, for one, I I value animation as much as I value live action. And I and, 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 and in actuality, there actually there's some properties that I'd rather see stay animated, like, you know, Akira or, um, you know, they're talking about doing a He-Man movie or, you know. Mm-hmm in retrospect, the Transformers, you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. there are some, there are some intellectual properties that I'd rather see stay animated because I value that, 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 that medium, you know? And so, but I get what you're saying. I'm split because I, I understand what you're saying. Why, why was the, was the animated Spider-Verse simply because it was a good idea that Lord and Miller had and they brought it to the table and were like, it was never, you know, in, it was never in their minds that it would be live action or was it that Sony was like, I don't think we should put out a live action um, Afro Latino Spider Man when we have Tom Holland over in the MCU? You know, live action. Was it that? Well, you know, there were other things in play too. I mean, this was the this was the height of Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. also, and I think that that was an influencer to getting the project out. Right, because Miles in the first trailer he had on the hoodie, he, he had the, as a kind of like a, a, a shout out to Trayvon, he had on the hoodie, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a it was a an indicator for Sony to say okay this this film could this film could do well mm-hmm. yeah I th- I think that I mean because really at this point because Spider Verse which I think I have to look this up maybe after the show but I think at the moment is Sony's highest grossing like animated feature ever um, I think don't quote me on that mm-hmm. but I, I believe that's true regardless though it was a, it was a success you know and it was it was a very much a box office success, but it was also even more so a critical and fan success. Um, I know for me, this film was, you know, from a, I saw the trailer a year before the film came out. And so I knew that the animated, the, the style of animation I knew was going to be phenomenal, you know, and it was going to be mm-hmm. something that was very different than the animated style we've seen in film so far. So I was looking forward to that. What I didn't expect was the the, the, the story. You know, the story kind of knocked me out and I didn't expect it because really that story, Spider-Verse is really at the heart of that story. It's a story about a young Afro-Latino kid and his relationship with his father, you know, with Mm -hmm. his African-American father. That's what Mm -hmm. that story is about, you know, and it doesn't wear to the point to what we were talking about during the cold opening. It doesn't wear its, you know, quote unquote blackness on its sleeve. But at the same time, there are things, there, there are beats, there are story beats that speak to that, you know, in his experience. And right. the famous, you know, of course, the conversation with um, between Miles and his father between, you know, uh, through the door, you know, um, that happens later. Yeah, that's movie. a great, great, great sequence. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that kind of I carry with me out of that movie, um, that scene. So to me, I feel like, yeah, Sony... At this point, you know, it was a, to your point, it was, it was a daring thing for them to do. Um, even though Miles has been, let's not, let's, let's be clear. Miles has been successful in the comics. You know, he's been a, he's, he's, he's a beloved figure in the comic book community. Um, and so he's, he's a popular character. So they knew that going in. 
But at the same time, for them to do this film about, you know, this kid and to also center it around him and his father, I agree uh-huh. with you. It was it was kind of daring, but I don't I don't think that happens. I don't think this ha- that happens if Spider-Man would have stayed in Sony. So his stint in the MCU, I think, cleared a room for Sony to go ahead and start looking around for the Venoms and the Miles Morales. But I do agree with you, though. I wonder if it was ever a consideration to make him live action. And I don't think this right now, I don't think we're going to see him live action for a while with Tom Holland coming back. It might actually confuse the audience. It it's would like they have two or to or to play devil's advocate. Does it open up the whole Spider-Verse thing in live action? In other words, mm. do we get a you know Tom Holland movie that explores the Spider-Verse and then you bring in Miles Morales that way, you know, live action? Or conversely, to my earlier point, do we need a live action? You know, do we, are we, because that, you know. I don't know if I'd want one after seeing Spider-Verse. Right. I mean, the animation is, it, as long as they stay with that style, it's, you know, it's fantastic. It's very, it's almost signature to that story. Mm-hmm. It's almost signature to that property. Mm-hmm. And you know how I feel about time travel. It, yeah, I mean, I was, and it, that was the me, one. time travel and multiverse, that works a lot better mm-hmm. in an animated film than it does live action for me. To me, it works a lot better in comics than it does in film, period. And I think that, you know, Endgame did a great job. You know, I, honestly, they did, a, they, did a, they did a very good job. I'm not going to say great, but they did a very good job with the, the time travel. To me, the confusion with time travel in multiverse and different universes, you know, different Earths and all that stuff. I hear a lot of comic book heads talking about, yeah, we want this and see this in the movies. And we want to see Marvel explore the, all the multiverses. That's when you get the you run the risk of confusing audiences who are not yeah. into these comic books like that, um, yeah. which is going to be from a, just as a tangent, it's going to be interesting to see what the MCU does uh, with the, uh, the doc, Dr. Strange, I think it's the madness of the multiverse. And then, you know, you have the, mm-hmm. the WandaVision television show. So the Disney plus show, which I think is going to also explore the multiverse. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. And don't forget um, on television, the CW flash, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've been they, doing multiverses. Right, They're like eight, right. twelve different Earths and right. stuff, and the Arrowverse jumping in and out of portals. Right. right? Do you watch those shows? I haven't in a while, but yeah, I, I watched it pretty regularly. I try. I tried to watch Arrow. I think I watched the first season of Arrow. Is it? I mean, to me, tonally, and I know this is completely getting off of what we were talking about, but fuck it. To me, tonally, the the Arrowverse and Flash, and you know. Um, Supergirl, mm-hmm. um, they have a kind of a, and I'm not saying this negatively because I used to watch this show, but they have a Beverly Hills 90210 type feel to them. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm past that point where I can really, really enjoy these shows. They're aimed yeah. at, a, at a demographic that's, you know, late high school, early college demographic. Um, and I, you know, I, I, it kind of stopped me from really, really getting into those shows. But you, to your point, they have done the the multiverse and the combining of you know the crossing over and all that stuff. DC on television has done that um, has done that really well for the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm not a big Arrow guy. I've watched Flash most out of all three properties, but I have seen uh, about two seasons of Supergirl. Mm. Um, Is that Flash movie still record. happening? The Flash movie with uh, Ezra? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if it's still happening. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what were you about um, to say? Well, just that I just find it really strange that Carol Danvers as Supergirl mm-hmm. is this, is the same name as Carol Danvers 
in Marvel's Captain Marvel. Is it Carol? I just, is is Supergirl's? Is it Carol Danvers? That's her name. Is it Karen? Kara. It's Kara, ain't it? Yeah. Okay. Kara. Yeah. Isn't isn't that who Marvel's? No. no uh, What's her name? Uh, Marvel's uh, Captain Marvel is is um Carol. Yeah. So you, All right, well, I'm a, I'm a, you get you just bringing you just you just, see any white women. You I got just, issues, you know, man. I'm a little just, irritated. Just giving them the same names. They all look alike. <laughs> right, they flying around, it's flying stuck around. In yeah. space. You know that white Come woman on. is flying around. You know her. Uh-huh. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> so, all right. So back to um, back to Spider Man. So your two issues with this move, which I'm guessing, which I'm, I'm surmising based on everything you said, you you're against. Uh, Spider-Man leaving the MCU mainly because against Spider-Man leaving. Go ahead. Mainly because of the narrative issue. That was your that was your number one. Yes. And then number two is how does this affect Miles? Right. I'm worried that there's going to be a reversion um, of the Spider-Man narrative that the MCU um, helped mm-hmm. develop, help advance, mm-hmm. and I'm worried that Miles Morales will get lost. Mm-hmm. Because the focus will be on Tom Holland, yeah. super uh, Tom Holland Spider Man films. One of the things that did bother me a little bit about Spider Verse, if I had to nitpick, was it did seem like at times it became a movie not not solely focused on Miles, and it became more about you know Gwen and Peter Parker, and you know even Spider Man Noir or Spider Ham. You know, what I'm saying it was like this ensemble piece, which. It worked. It it worked yeah. very well. But at the same time, I was like, okay, let's hold on. Let's not get too far away from Miles. You know, this is his film. You know, he's he's the lead in this movie. Let's make sure we stay with him. So I I, I share your your worry that Tom Holland coming back may may lessen that. But I think you're all right, man. Because simply because Spider Verse was so successful, I think you're good. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. But the, your first your first issue, though, about the narrative, you know, what this is going to do within the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, how they're going to work that out. That's a concern. I don't like I said, I don't think that um, Sony can can. I don't think that they're incapable of making a good Spider-Man movie. Um, let's I mean, you know, they did. You know, they were the studio behind the first two Sam Raimi films. Um, but I do share your your concern that it's, it's going to fall noticeably short from you know homecoming and far from home did you like far from home as much as you liked homecoming no not as much mm-hmm. neither did i see here's the thing the, the the crux is moving forward it's not like peter parker is gonna forget about happy mm-hmm. it's not like he's gonna not have happy's number in his cell phone mm-hmm. He just can't tell us that if he's in Sony Universe. <laughs> right, right. He'd just be like, you know, yeah, hold on. I'm, like, right. I'm, just, I'm just talking to my man. Yeah, right my here. man. You know, and... <laughs> that's that's Happy's name from now on in the Sony Universe is my man. And yeah. I guess what? Pepper will be old girl. <laughs> Pepper will be old girl. My man. What's like, you know... Well, I don't think he had a relationship with Pepper like that. Um, but Happy is different. Yeah, I mean, Happy. Right. Yeah, that was his guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, Happy helped him out. In uh, in Far From Home, mm-hmm. yeah, that was his guy, and he got happy, got emotional, and they really they really played up that scene where you know Peter was like building his suit. Yeah, they played up that scene, but you're right. Yeah, so yes, from now on in the Sony script, it'll be any references you hear my to happy, man, my that's man. That's happy. Yeah, that's, that's happy, my man. <laughs> I got, or I got to take this call, or I'll be right back. <laughs> Let me just wrap this right. up. 
But yeah. I mean, for real, man, that's to me, that's, you know, when I heard this news, you know, just to reiterate, that was the biggest thing for me was that it wasn't so much Kevin Feige that lost, which I, I felt because it's like, you know, again, I say he's the Michael Jordan of this shit. So that's a definite loss. But it was just the fact that, OK, now Spider-Man can't interact with all of these other Marvel characters. Right. And back, you know, what? if you remember back in the 70s, in the late 70s, I think that was when the, that first Spider-Man television show, live action television show came on TV. And then you also had um, um, the Incredible Hawk, you know, the Incredible mm-hmm. Hawk television show. To me, it was like if you didn't know anything about comic books, you knew Spider-Man and Hawk from, you know, Marvel. And you knew Batman and Superman and probably Wonder Woman from DC. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it seems that it seems kind of odd for now. You know, Spider-Man is is a, you know, one of their um, their biggest heroes. It does seem very strange or their 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 biggest IP. It does seem strange, you know, for him not to be a part of the MCU. That is that is a loss, because when he came to the MCU, it was kind of it was it was literally a homecoming. You know, it was like, yeah, this is where he belongs. Um, so for him to leave, um, it does feel like a loss from a fan's perspective. You know, I get it from the business perspective, but from a fan's perspective, it's definitely a loss. Yeah. So, look, can we um, can we do a, a some listener, listener questions? questions? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and yo, yo, before uh, I think we should you guys listen on Twitter. Um, you know, we're always there. Hit us with your questions. Hashtag Mad Unreal. And let us know what you think about this. Um, this Spider-Man MCU thing. And and Sony Sony MCU thing and more specifically let us know how do you think it will affect you know Miles Morales um if you you know if you're feeling Arthur's pain hey but look before we do that since we were we just talked about uh a few young ah yeah i know where you black going. superheroes yeah. <laughs> you created a young black superhero i did his name is Paris oh you talking about <laughs> You're talking about the literal, the the the, the um, literary character, yeah. Talking about Kadir, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So a few years ago, um, a book called "Q Saves the Sun" um, came out, a children's book um, that was very very well received um, by kids, and it was about a uh, a young black superhero um, similar to Miles Morales. And um, guess what? The sequel to that book is coming out very soon. And we need help to make sure that that happens. And so we have a, a Kickstarter um, that just jumped off. What was that? Maybe two days ago, three days ago um, yeah, to help make sure that this book, this book happens. And the book is called the first book was called Q Saves the Sun. This book is called Q Tangles with Time. Um, so how how do you want to I guess we can post it on the on the um, on the Twitter account or I can post it. You can post it um, and make sure that people have access to that information. Or do you have a URL they can go to right now? Did I just put you on the spot? Yeah, you did. You did. You did. <laughs> so we'll listen. We'll we'll after this show, we'll definitely um repost it. I know I've already posted it on Twitter. We'll we'll keep posting it. Well, the easiest thing, a very easy thing to do is to go to Kickstarter.com mm. and do a search for Q Tangles with Time. Um, but don't worry, we're going to keep reminding you about this Kickstarter um, and about this book. Um, so especially you all with kids um, looking for another young black superhero for your kids to enjoy. Um, this is a, a project you should know about, and hopefully you'll support. All right, so let's do a uh, let's do a listener question. Listener question: um, What you got? You want you want to start with the Star Wars one? Yeah. So and yeah, let's because um, okay. So these questions we recorded our first show, our our, our inaugural episode, and then we kind of hit people up on 
Twitter and they sent in some questions. So these questions are actually pertaining to our first episode, even though they haven't heard the first episode yet. Um, moving forward, though, we'll give you guys the opportunity to kind of chime in on things before we record the show. That way we can address, you know, some of the thoughts and comments you guys have um, in real time. So but yeah, these these are kind of things we asked um, after we record episode one. So the first Star Wars question, which one was it, Arthur? It was from Starlight and Flight. Oh, yeah. 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 You want to read it? Starlight and Flight asks. It's really more of a statement. Like, you know, what the hell? It's a dope statement, though. Yeah. How does the politics of Star Wars universe change if writers accept that the Jedi are not benevolent? The Jedi seem more interested in order, balance, and royal mitochondrian-laced Skywalker bloodlines <laughs> than bringing power to the people. Hashtag <laughs> You know what? Starlight and Flight, just much love for bringing like some serious socio-political um, depth to the Star Wars universe. Uh, he almost, he, he did better in this one tweet, bringing the politics into Star Wars than than George Lucas did in the in the prequels. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He did more <laughs> yeah. in this one tweet. But I think one thing that, you know, to kind of to not address this directly, but one thing I've always thought about um, in reference to the Jedi, you know, I'm a big Clone Wars animated series head. Watching Clone Wars animated series made me understand one thing about the Jedi. They should have never been put in charge. They're great. You know, the great um, soldiers, they're great. They're great generals in the sense of, you know, battle, you know, each battle. But as far as overseeing this entire war and being mm-hmm. the leaders and, you know, being at the top, they made so many mistakes, man. Even I mean, Yoda himself made a lot of mistakes, you know, from um, all the way from, you know, the whole Ahsoka thing to the largest issue, of course, which is, you know, the Palpatine thing. And not knowing that that dude was, you know, the basically the heart of the Sith um, was sitting next to you in meetings every day. That was there was a lot of oversight. There was a lot of technical things. There was a lot of arrogance. There was a lot of, you know, um, looking at tradition and we have to do it this way and not bending. And Anakin was right about a few things. You know what I'm saying? If you look at the, the Clone Wars animated series, Anakin was right about some things. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that my man Starlight and Flight's question, how does the politics in your change if writers accept that the Jedi are not benevolent? Okay, so let me ask you this, Arthur. Are the Jedi, are they not benevolent? Are they, is there some malevolence in, in the Jedi order? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, that the Jedi pride themselves in being, you know, self-sacrificing, balanced judgment. Uh, they don't deal in absolutes, only Sith deal in absolutes. Mm-hmm. So they try to take this worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it creates a big blind spot. That's a good, that's a good quote. That's a good line blind spot. And there, but like Starlight said, the Jedi seem more interested in order and balance makes, I mean, let me, let me, let me put it like this. Is there a stick up the Jedi ass? You know what I'm saying? Is there, do they need to, is there a stick that needs to be removed in order for them to, 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 to have listened to some of what Anakin was saying, pre killing the younglings, you know what I'm saying? Pre Anakin, pre killing younglings, some of the things he was saying, you know, the emotional side of things seem to have been, there seemed to be some truth there. And Yoda discovered some things. Remember in that, those last couple episodes of the Clone Wars, when Yoda went on that kind of self journey, 
um, and kind mm-hmm. of saw the future a little bit. And he he saw that the Jedi were going to fail. He saw the prophecy. But some of those things that he learned, it was like they're just they were too beholden to these these ideals and not kind of listening and looking at the world they were in. And I think that caused a lot of their failures. Mace himself, man. I mean, dude, come on, man. Mace, yeah, I mean, Mace, Mace Windu, notwithstanding, who never trusted Anakin. Never trusted Anakin. Didn't trust Anakin until the very last second when he was like, yo, you know, you bringing this to me. You telling me about Palpatine proves something. Well, and Anakin's like, motherfucker, I've been trying to tell you, you know what I'm saying? For years, mm-hmm. I've been proving mm-hmm. myself to you. And you've been, you know, you haven't been listening. Um, I don't know. So Starlight and Flight, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the the order and the balance and, the, you know, the Skywalker bloodlines. Um but I think also in a bigger from a bigger sense, this may be an issue with the writers and the kind of the where Star Wars going to go after episode nine. If the, if the Skywalker trilogy ends in episode nine, where are we going to go You know, from a from a cinematic standpoint, not the Disney Plus thing, but from a cinematic standpoint, where do you go from there? If up until now we've been completely obsessed with um, like Starlight and Flight says with the, uh, the Skywalker bloodline. Fucking job. All right. Uh, with that. Why don't you read the... Uh... <laughs> oh, this is... Oh, so, okay. So, we had um, some listeners... We had some Joker feedback. Yeah, some listeners. Actually, well, even... Well, Joker questions. Joker questions. So, if you've listened to... kind of addressed. Right. If you listened to episode one, you know, we, we went in on the Joker um, Joker film before we even saw it, but we've gone in on the Joker film and what it means for the comic book community and for the, you know, pe- those of us who love this, for the Unreal community, what does it mean for this Joker film to get so much love um, from the critics, you know, as far as being a art film. So this, we got this comment in this, this listener, uh, Stephen B at Nipsey hit us. And he said, we asked him, you know, we were asking who has, you know, interest in this Joker film. And, and he said, I have no interest. The filmmakers appear to have a disdain for comic, comic book movies as if they are less than evidenced by the comments in the press, just because you treat the Joker like it's taxi driver doesn't mean you're elevating the art form. Um, also, it's an unoriginal take. So, yo, Stephen B., if you've heard episode one, um, you know that we have kind of we have somewhat sided with you. Um, and we asked the question, you know, do we need the Joker, this Joker film to take our um, to take our unreal, our love for the unreal? Do we need it to, to take it and be praised by people who have who have no appreciation for this, these type of films? Um, in other words, have we, haven't we already done enough, you know, and do we need their, their, um, okay. Um, do we need their check mark? Um, so I, I liked his question. What do what do you think about that? I do agree that we don't need them mm-hmm. to validate these storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that, that the two Oscars awarded one to Heath Ledger posthumously for his portrayal of the Joker in the dark Knight, and, uh, the best picture award, uh, the Best Picture Oscar granted to the Lord of the Rings Return of the King mm-hmm. um, were um, examples of fantastical films that had, you know, real depth mm-hmm. to them that could not go ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, we could debate whether or not Heath Ledger's uh, death right, had an impact brought on a sympathy it. factor right. or had some kind of impact on that, mm-hmm. but still... You can't you can't argue that Heath Ledger definitely delivered an Oscar winning performance or Oscar worthy mm-hmm. performance. Well, let me say this. And before I say it, let me just one more um, response from a listener about Joker. Um, Jeffrey, father of Jericho um, at JPNT 17 said, 
how you make a movie about a comic character with no interest in the actual mythology of the character. It's almost like they stuck the Joker name on it for marketing um, because they weren't sure if the movie would do well without brand recognition. So, Jeffrey, if you again, if you listen to episode one, I kind of argued the exact same point you did, man. So I appreciate your your comment. Um, And yeah, make sure you listen to episode one so you can hear us go in on that. Um, I will say this, though, Arthur, right now, Joker is tracking as of today. Um, Today is what Saturday, September 21st. The movie opens uh, October 4th. Um, Joker right now is tracking to make 83 million in its opening weekend. Um, it's a lot of money, Emmett, to quote yep. the old uh, Christmas Carol television show that came on HBO back in the 80s. Uh, that's a lot <laughs> of money. So I, this this critical praise that's been given to Joker at the at the Venice Film Fest, at TIFF, wherever, at all these, the Toronto International Film Festival, um, at a tele, I think it was at Telluride, also any of the film festivals that's already played at, the critical love that it's gotten um, definitely is having impact. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of people, whether or not I like it or whether or not I think it's warranted or whatever, you're going to get a lot of people who have no interest in seeing a comic book movie, who didn't see Endgame, who didn't see Spider-Man Far From Home, Homecoming, none of that crap. They right. have, they call it crap and they have no interest in mm-hmm. it. They're going to go see Joker because it's Joaquin Phoenix, because it's been getting all this love from critics at, at film festivals because there's Oscar buzz around it, because the filmmakers have said repeatedly that it has no ties to, to, to my man Jeffrey on Twitter who just said this, what he said. To his point, the critics or the, the filmmakers have said it has no ties to anything that's happened in the comic books. Not only is it a standalone film, it's not beholden to any of that mythology or history of the comic books. For all those reasons, you're going to get a lot of people who have no interest in comic book films who are not unreal, not into, not mm-hmm. in, not un, in part of our family. They're going to go see this film. So, is that from a from the studio standpoint? That's great, but to our episode one standpoint, that's kind of a that's a polarizing fact. That's a polarizing issue. And I think that's what my man Jeffrey is saying in his his tweet. Um, he's not interested, in, and neither is uh, Stephen B. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be there, right? Yeah, I'm going to see it now. I didn't see Suicide Squad. Did you see Suicide Squad? I, <laughs> to this day, I forced myself to watch um, Justice League. Forced. But okay. I have not forced myself to watch Suicide Squad. But I am because I'm interested in Birds of Prey. So I am going to force myself to watch Suicide Squad. All right. All right. All right. Um, see, I don't, know if, I don't know if Batman shows up at all by name, reference, or character. In Joker. In Suicide Squad. Oh, in Suicide Squad. Yeah, he does. He show, and you're talking about the first Suicide Squad? Yeah, he does show up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also interested in the second Suicide Squad, which is being directed by James Gunn as we speak. But go ahead. Okay. So, um, but that was just an aside. I just, I, I really did wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, Joker is is Joker is the most beloved villain, mm-hmm. probably in comics. Period. Mm-hmm. Watching Batman Begins, as much as I enjoyed that movie, it was just this extra lift at the that, end of the film. At the end of the film, right when Joker is present, right. Um, and as much as I enjoyed Batman Begins, if I didn't know that Joker was going to exist at all, like if that could was going to be a, a standalone movie, I I, I would have been disappointed, right, right, because there was no reference to Joker. Mm-hmm. Okay, saying all that to say, Batman can't exist without Joker mm-hmm. in a film. Mm-hmm. In a storyline. So I believe 
that Joker can exist without Batman. Can or can't. You know, it's like, what came first, Joker or Batman? Are you saying he can or can't exist? I'm saying that he can. Okay. Right. So I'm you're... saying that he that he that he can, I'm saying that I'm I'm saying that Joker Joker can exist in a storyline with without Batman. Mm-hmm. And if this is a film that at least explores the idea of Joker pre Batman, mm-hmm. because when 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 Bruce Wayne came of age, got trained, decided to become a vigilante. Crime was already happening in Gotham City. Right. There were crimin- There was a criminal element that already existed for years and years, right. a generation right. before. Read, everybody Bruce read Wayne. Frank Miller's uh, Batman Year One. Frank Miller, David Mazzucchelli. So, so what I'm suggesting is, you know, what came first, Batman or the Joker? Mm-hmm. You're okay. Well, we've if, explored if Batman comes first. And you're okay if Joker comes first. I'm okay if Joker comes first. Okay. So let me say this. I think that would be interesting. Let me say this because I know we got we to gotta go. We, we are, we've gone over our little time limit here. But let me say this before we out. I'm somewhat cool with that. I'm not completely cool with that because like I said in episode one, I, need, I, I don't want to see a movie where I can't see a man in a cape existing in that universe. But if we go see this Joker movie um, in a few weeks and the only real reference, I'm just reiterating what I said before. If if I go see this Joker movie and I can tell that this could have been about anybody, you know what I'm saying? Any dude who went crazy and put on clown makeup. Right. And if it has no relation to the Batman universe, except for the fact that his name is Joker and, you know, Thomas Wayne is in the movie, then I'm going to be, a, then I'm, then I'm going to look down on this movie somewhat. Even if I feel like it's yeah. a, a good film, I'll, I'll still say it's a good film. I'll still judge it. Like, Hey, this is a right. great movie, blah, blah, blah. But it comes down some notches because I see that they just threw the Joker name on this when really, again, like I said, in episode one, Mm -hmm. there has to be some elements of Joker in there. In other words, his intelligence, his cunning, there has to be something that makes me think this guy can go up against Batman. You know what I'm saying? Whether or not Batman's in the film, I don't care. I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. If this is a standalone and we never see Batman and then there's never a sequel that, you know, relates to Batman. I'm fine. I I don't want there to be a sequel. I'm cool. I'm cool with standalone. I'm cool with that too. Yeah. But I need to I need to know that this is the I need to know that this is the Joker and not just some not just Arthur I Fleck see what you're saying. who I just see happens what you're saying. to be named Joker. You know what I'm saying? I, I need to saying. know that this yeah. is the Joker. Okay. Yeah, and I mean to my point, it's because Joker is so beloved. It's because Joker is yeah. you know, Dude, the Joker all beyond super arch Like we wouldn't be having this conversation if it was a Riddler movie. We wouldn't. You know Although I would saying? love I would love for them to get off Joker and do a dope movie dope dope matt reeves please do please he's doing the, the next map the next batman movie please mm-hmm. do a dope riddler film i would love that because i you know as much as i love the joker i'm sick of the joker let's let's move on batman has a great rose gallery let's move on to something else um but yeah joker darth vader these are you know these are at the top you know of, of the heap when mm-hmm. it comes to um to um villains so yeah we gotta we gotta get out we gotta get out we'll, right. we'll, we'll talk about this again though um you know when we see the film but um, before we leave, I just want to tell everybody, thank you for all the support. You know, we announced the show, I think it was a week ago, we launched the show, the name of the show and let everybody know what we're doing. And, um, the support has been excellent. Um, you guys keep hitting us on Twitter with your questions and thoughts and whatever, just make sure you hashtag it mad unreal. Um, and we'll see it and, uh, we'll get at you. Keep it unreal. Peace. <laughs>